Well, it's going to be a really good night. We've been preordained to be here, and it's the, the Wednesday night crowd. Do you know that uh, Jesus taught the multitudes, but really he left and he entrusted what he, would, what he wanted to leave in the earth to those he worked with closely in small group settings. And um, I'm believing it's going to be changed, but for whatever reason, sometimes uh, the intimacy and the growing stuff and really wanting to become transparent isn't very popular with some people. <laughs> Do you know, it just takes as much energy to live in deception as it is to live in truth. <laughs> Think about that. And it doesn't help anyone when you're not honest. And the other thing I've, I've learned with the Lord, it's, it's not like when, you, when we decide to actually let the Lord touch an area that he didn't know about it. It's kind of like, no, I knew that was there. It's just, no, you actually just got around to telling him so you could get rid of it. So I don't know why I said that, but uh, it's good to be with you guys tonight. Uh, how many have committed to come to the Healing of the Land Conference? Awesome. So that means you're registered, right? Okay. How many haven't registered yet? Ooh. Why not? You couldn't find the link. My assistant will help you today. We can register you all tonight. And I encourage you the next uh, month, uh, be praying for us. Tomorrow we have a planning meeting. And so just pray that it all comes together, safety, protection for the speakers. Uh, I, I said it uh, Sunday, and I'm not interested in hype or trying to manipulate and to be here, but if you live in this city, you should be here. Uh, it's going to be, um, I know people... I know my lead intercessor's coming, but she comes to all our events. Her whole family's coming from Ohio, and so you, you, you really, you know, there are moments in God that you just, uh, you can never get back, so, uh, because time just keeps going, so I encourage you to be here uh, and, and, and pray. You know, it doesn't take long. Just say, Father, I just agree for the purposes of God to be done in this conference, and um, Pray for me. <laughs> Where am I going? I'm going to Portland on Friday, and then on Monday, I'm going to Tanzania for a week, and I'll come home, and I'll go to New York the weekend after that, and then I'll come here, and then the rapture of the church happens. <laughs> I think this year's 49 out of 52 weeks this year I've been gone. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. So... Um, but there is grace to do it, and I know I'm supposed to rest in December and also finish the book at the end of December. So, all right. I know where I'm starting tonight. How many were here Sunday? Okay, good. That's good because I think we're going to hit on something we hit on Sunday again because, you know, you only have so, so long to dig into stuff. Let's just sift our hands. Just sign a surrender. Father, tonight, we surrender to you. We're here because we want to hear from you. So I bless every person here as a good hearer of your word. Thank you for the angel of revelation that's here. Thank you for what you want to do. Somebody's right shoulder. Lord's healing somebody's right shoulder. So be healed in your right shoulder. Father, I need your help. But Holy Spirit, you live inside of me, and you're the teacher. So we yield ourselves to the teacher. You, you said you would guide us, 
into all truth, not some truth. So guide us into all truth. Be glorified. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation just rest upon this word. Open up your word to us. Lord, we don't, we don't just want surface understanding. We want deep truth and let faith arise in this room in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 1. There's a lot of things running around in me. I'm just always interested on nights like this of where it's actually going to go. Luke chapter 1, often a story that we read around this time of year, uh, and it uh, details the birth of Christ, obviously. Luke chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 5. I'm reading out of the, the New King James. There was in those days of Herod, a king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias, a division of Abathai with his wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, and blameless. That's a key part of, of where I think that the Lord wants to emphasize it to us tonight. Because what you'll see here is that he is in right standing with the Lord, he's a righteous man, but he's going to encounter the Lord, and he's going to have to make a decision of faith. Very, very interesting. So it was while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of the division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the altar of incense. And Zacharias, when he saw him, was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Now, this is even more fascinating because he's believing God for something, and God is about to answer his prayer, but he doesn't believe it. That's fascinating stuff. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. That's one verse that gives us insight into why we are people of pro-life if we believe the Bible. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're in your mother's womb if you're not a person. <laughs> and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know of this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in her years. Now notice what happens here. He's, he's having an encounter with an angel of the Lord. The angel has told him he's heard his prayer, and immediately he looks at his natural, natural body, and he elevates that above what the angel's telling him, even though it's something he's been praying and believing God for. Really, really important. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, who was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Now, this is also really important. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the days these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. 
Now notice this too. Uh, we ended, or we, uh, I think most of the, the last part of the teaching on Sunday, we emphasized how powerful that the words you speak, and we looked at Mark, the 11th chapter, where we, where we emphasize that phrase, you will have what you say. And you'll notice here that the angel actually tells him, he said, he's basically telling him, he's like, man, this fool ain't getting this, so we're going to have to shut his mouth so this thing can come to pass. And you'll notice, if you follow the narrative of the story, he does not open his mouth until he agrees with the prophetic word after John is born. The words were that powerful that God would not allow him. In the mercy of God, God goes, I got to shut your mouth. Do you know the judgment of God is actually the mercy of God? I know it's not taught like that, but it actually is. God will release judgment here and now so you can get it right so you're not judged on the final day. I've actually told the Lord, I know it's a little crazy, I said, judge me now, please, because I don't want to miss it in the end. So he's not allowed to speak until he comes into alignment with that. Now, all right, let's go back now to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews 11. Yep, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we said substance is the underlying reality that defines all things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice he tells us that faith is not seen. And we also saw in John the 6th chapter where they ask him, what do we need to do to do the works of God? He said, this is the work of God that you believe. Notice tonight, no one can see your belief system. I don't have one of those uh, like cardboard, you know, when you see someone advertising a store where they cut out like, hey, sale here, you know, they're 50% off going out of business sale. None of us have that says, I'm a believer. It's an internal reality. You haven't inherited, if, how many are in Christ? If you're in Christ, you've inherited an inside out system. This is really, 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 really important. Because even charismatics, even Pentecostals, often they're looking outside in. The answer's out there. When everything's in here, everything's on the inside. If you get the inside right, the outside's gonna operate correctly. So you can't see your God kind of faith that's on the inside of you. You cannot see your belief system, but it will manifest in the words you speak and in the behavior you have. And faith comes, it doesn't stack up. How does it come? It comes through the word of God, and we looked at Genesis 1, where we saw that we are a word-activated being. You are created when you, hear, when you hear the word of God, your born-again spirit goes, that's God. That's why we need to renew our minds, because a big part of this, um, 
say you're, uh, I don't go to the mall much. I go Amazon, I go when I know I, it's something I need, and I'm in and out. I don't enjoy crowds, but you, what was I saying? Word activated. Sorry, it's been a long day. What was I saying, Mike? Word activated. Let me go back to that because I lost my friend. Yeah. We're word activated. Oh, yes. Here it is. I know what I was thinking. That's why you could be, let's say you're in a store or something, you see someone with a brace on them. Immediately, you go, I need to go pray for them. That's not right. That's out of order. But your mind goes, lawsuit. And there's nothing wrong with your mind. God gave you your intellect. It's just meant to follow the voice of God. That's why it needs to be renewed. You don't want to love the first Adam more than you love the second Adam. That's what he's saying. Don't become formed. Don't become formed. What did Adam do? He conformed. So the word of God is created to create, to call faith to come alive on the inside of you. And then uh, verse 3 is really important. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. The things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. The things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. Now, I touched on this one other time, but I, I, I want to touch it again. Notice he says, by faith, we understand. It doesn't say we understand and have faith. It's by faith, we understand. And how does faith come? Faith comes, according, faith comes when you hear the word of God. So, it is imperative. One of the defining values that one, of the, one of the values that will define your life is how you honor the word of God. Because here's the thing. God is always speaking. He doesn't tell you you can't live by bread alone except by every word unless he is going to speak. So let's look at Matthew 13 now. I know I'm moving a lot, but I, I, I think the Lord's trying to Show us something here. Look at verse 3. There's a bunch of things in here, but I'm going to skip through here. Then he spoke many things to them in parables. A parable is what? A short allegorical story designed to illustrate or teach a truth. Or a parable could be a statement or a comment that conveys a meaning indirectly by use of comparison, analogy, or like. What's the point of me defining that? Jesus spoke to people in parables because he wanted, he, he would illustrate truths and stories in, in different ways. Why? Because he, he, he was looking to see who was really paying attention. Because here's how certain things works. Everything that you hear from heaven, he will hold you responsible for doing something about.
A dangerous thing is to listen to the word of God over and over again and never have corresponding action. Verse 14, in the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Notice we say, by faith we understand. So hearing you will hear, and I don't think it's a distortion to say, and shall not put their faith in it. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they close, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they turn, they should understand with their hearts, and turn, that I should heal them. Now notice what he's saying is, they have all the capability to receive what God is saying, but they have not stewarded, notice they're not blind but they are spiritually desensitized to receive what the sower is sowing. He said the sower sows the word. God doesn't deaden anyone. Why am I saying this? Because part of being a person of faith is the ability to steward your spiritual senses. Goes back to Zacharias. He's praying there. He doesn't say, I'll guard your heart. What does he do? You guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it, why? Flow the issues of life. Zacharias is praying for something. He gets an answer to his prayer, but he has not prepared his heart to receive what that angel is saying. This is fascinating. He is more content to pray about an issue than actually to receive the breakthrough for it. Look at verse 18. I encourage you to read the whole verse, the whole chapter, but 18 through 23 will tell you that when the sower sows the word, there is always a challenge to the word of God. What does he do? He tries to define you by your current situation, your current gifting, how old you are, whatever it may be. You know, how many times you've been in a, you, 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 you've been somewhere, maybe you're in a prayer meeting or in a meeting, and God goes, I want you to do this. You're like, Yes! And you're on your way out, you're losing your mind. I've had to work through this with someone very close to me who has very significant, powerful encounters with the Lord that the enemy tries to convince them they're losing their mind. Part of it sometimes comes through uh, the opinion of other people and religious spirits. Verse 18, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, notice back to Hebrews 11, there's a a significance. So it's not a distortion to to, to use uh, verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not wrap their faith around it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So I want to emphasize to you, make a practice of acknowledging the word of God in every area of your life and make a practice to be intentional. I do it all the time when someone's teaching. I go to bed listening to the word of God. I'll stop. I go, Father, I receive this word. 
And when a speaker or something goes, let's lift our hands, I lift my hands. Why? Because I don't care if it's a kid, I don't care if it's a teenager, but if they are in this, this is a sacred place right here. If they are in this sacred place, whether they stand in the office of prophet or not, I, I go, this is God's prophet to me, and I will honor the word of God that comes out of them, and as I honor that word, I will receive what that person receives. And it's not something so taught in our culture anymore. I'm not saying, you know, you got to get weird or anything. But you have to understand there are certain things that are sacred. You know, you don't, you don't want to have an extended conversation in the middle of worship. What are you modeling for your kids? One of the great things I saw modeled in front of me. My parents, they, they took me outside the sanctuary and beat me. <laughs> you know, they just, and I would I'd see my dad lifting his hands in worship. So, wow, he's honoring the presence of God. I don't really know what's happening, but I guess something's happening in the room. Look at um, Deuteronomy 30. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death. Notice he says, I set it before you today. It's not tomorrow, it's today. And notice too, God is is consumed with life. God wants you as free as him. God has no issues. God has no depression. God has no sickness. God has no disease. God has no worry about his past or his future. He's already been there. He is consumed with life. He is consumed with people having life. He's not obsessed with you having stuff. Some people in your church might be, but he's not. I mean, I I, I think they're going to have to have prayer ministry when people get to heaven. I mean, they're going to get in because you get in if you just say yes. Streets of gold, if he builds them like we do, eight feet deep. I mean, this ain't right, God. No, this is right. Where are you going now? (laughs) <laughs> All right, send them to deliverance. They didn't get it down there. Send them to Bible college. I mean, he's just a kind, good God. You know, he's not obsessed with stuff, but he, he, he doesn't mind you having stuff. You know? He's going to give you a mansion. Really? I mean, what are you going to tell him? It's too big. It's got too many rooms. (laughs) It's just too extravagant, Jesus. He's just extravagant in every way. Finish it off here. Blessing and cursing. I don't believe that God curses anyone. 
I believe this world system is cursed. So if you want to live by the world system, then it's cursed from the beginning. If you want to hold on to elbowing your way to the top, that's cursed. If you want to, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it no matter what. If you want to, you know, you, just me, 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 and how I'm going to do it, that's cursed. When you choose faith, you put your trust in God, and it doesn't mean you sit around and, and sleep till 11 o'clock, but he's the one working for you. That's the beautiful thing about faith. We'll look at that in a moment. Blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. I love this because it's not just about you. Both you and your descendants may live. And this is, of course, the heart of all the life. That you may love the Lord your God. That you may obey his voice. Notice it's a voice-activated system. That you may cling to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Abner, Thorntons. Put yourself into it because you're in the lineage. She says, so the reason I'm emphasizing that because even as the chosen people and covenant people of God, obviously if you, most of us are Gentiles tonight, you're grafted into that. You have to choose every day to be intentional to make these choices of faith in God. Now let's finish a different story here. Luke uh, chapter one. Luke chapter one, back to Luke chapter one. We'll finish out that other story. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. When he had come out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived he had a vision, for he beckoned them and remained speechless. So it was, as the days of his service were complete, he departed to his own house, and after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people." Verse 26, now on the sixth day, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of God. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner greeting this was. 
Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and, he shall call, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great. He will become son of the highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, then the angel said, the Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Notice that Zacharias and Mary both asked the angel uh, a question, but it seems to be that Zacharias asked it from a place of unbelief, and she's just kind of asking this question, how's this going to happen? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, your Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her own age. Now, this is now the sixth month of her who was barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then, the, then, Mary, then, then Mary, behold, said, yeah, verse 38, then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So this is fascinating because most people think Mary is probably no more than 15 years old. And the angel begins with this greeting, highly favored one, which means you, you, you're, you have favored status with God. Now, what I love about this is that she's from Nazareth. It's an insignificant village, about 1,600 to 2,000 people. She's, actually, I'm reading this, my notes here. She's probably no more than 14 years old here. And here comes this angel that tells her, you are favored from God. How many are in Christ? You're favored from God. In fact, the favor of God upon you will give you the ability to do every single thing that God preordained for you to do on this earth. Recognize the favor of God. Lean into the favor of God. One of the things I say over my life, the favor of God causes me to accomplish everything that God has caused me to, called me to do here upon the earth. And every time I see it in action, I go, that's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. And I've noticed that when you recognize something in your life, the more it draws that reality to you. So we notice that Mary is a woman of encounter. Do you, here, here's some questions. Do you realize that you have favor towards you that makes you a candidate for encounter? Do you have ongoing encounters with God? Do you give opportunity in your life for ongoing encounters? Do you have experiences similar to those that you read in the Bible? You know, one of the fascinating things about being a disciple or follower of Jesus is this. When you make the word of God your highest standard, he invites you into a reality that you're not living in yet. If you believe, you'll do the works that I'm doing, but you'll also do greater works. And then you go, oh man. I've never done that before. I've never raised a dead. I've, I actually have never even prayed for someone and see their back healed. So it's like once you put that word out there, 
there's this, there's this invitation to that place in God, not just to visit it once, but to visit it over and over again. And then this is, uh, this is what I've come to know about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's in that pursuit of a truth in God that, that, that they, when, when you're like, I want that, then they're like, okay, go pursue that. But in that process, we love manifestation and outcome, and I do. I'm a type A, bottom line person. But he loves, okay, let me go deep on the inside of you. You're like, yeah, 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 I want to I wanna raise the dead. Okay, let's work on your forgiveness. No, no, I don't want to work on that. I want to heal, you know, I want to raise the dead. He goes, well, let's just start with you practicing obeying me every day. I remember years ago, I still pray this way. I said, Lord, just remember I was walking. I said, Lord, give me, give me an anointing to raise the dead. Give me an anointing to, to change cities for you and nations. He goes, let's just start with your rent. <laughs> Why? Because he, he, first of all, he's incredibly practical. Anything you're facing right now that you're asking God to take away He's actually looking for you to put your faith in him to receive. So this favored status, and what you'll see is, I don't believe it's an arbitrary pick by God. When she, when she talks to Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, uh, no, when, in her response, in, the, in what they call the magnificence, she goes, I will worship and I have worshiped. I think she's a worshiper. This favored status causes her to have this encounter with an angel that, that inside of her, the word of God is going to birth the savior of the world. And I love the response there. Verse 37, for the American Standard Version says, for no word of God shall be void of power. For no word of God shall be void of power. For no word of God shall be void of power. Mary pursued God's word for her life. How do we know that? Look at verse 39. Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting that Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the spirit. I was just talking about this a moment ago. Then she spoke out loud with a voice and said, blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. But why is it granted me that the mother of my Lord should come? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your... Uh, voice of your greeting sounded in my ears. The babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed, and that word blessed means highly favored, empowered to prosper, is she who believed there would be a fulfillment of those things which were told from the Lord. Now here's what's fascinating here. 
the full measure of that word obviously is not going to be fulfilled till about another 30 years later. But that belief in the word of God, that belief in the word of God is moving the unseen realm and is orchestrating everything in her life and everything in that word to give birth to Jesus, the wisdom to raise that kid, and eventually to become the miracle worker, the teacher, and then the one who dies on the cross. Here's an encouragement for you. Whatever you have put your faith in today, I didn't know it, but um, fall of 1996, two hours from here, I'm at a, uh, a meeting, Campbell University. I um, never, I, that's why I always say, I know God has a sense of humor. I remember sitting in the back of this auditorium, and this young, He's probably just a few years older than me. He's maybe 24 years old. Amazing Baptist evangelist. He says, he says uh, he's telling the story about people being beat with rods. They're getting beat with rods, and they throw them out of the village. They're in a Muslim country. They throw them out of the village. The next night, they come back. Beat them with rods, throw them out of the village. Next night, they come back. And I'm in the back of the auditorium, because that's what you do when you're backslidden. <laughs> Not you, me. <laughs> it's true. You, you want to get out. You know, you don't want to get into the fire too much. And I remember sitting in the back of the auditorium thinking this. I don't know why I thought this, because it's probably my mom's prayers. I thought to myself, if I don't surrender everything to God tonight, so you can love God but not be intentionally surrendered to him. Somehow, I, man, I had my life planned out. I was going to go be a lawyer, get involved in politics. I've come since then, I'm probably a little too honest, but President Trump has helped me a little bit. <laughs> but I thought, somehow my life is not going to be as God intended it to be. So I remember, you know what's coming the end of a meeting like that. You want to surrender everything to the Lord? Just stand on your feet. Boom. Stood up in the back of the room. Literally, my whole life changed. I didn't feel anything. and sense. It wasn't a Pentecostal moment, but my whole life changed. Literally, from I had never desired to be in ministry, never wanted to be in I thought preachers were, like, who would want to do that? Especially, I grew up in the 80s. Assembly of God, Lord Jesus if you were an evangelist, you had all your kids dressed the same, and they'd sing, and you lived in an RV. <laughs> they'd make them sing even if they couldn't sing. <laughs> so I was like, why would you ever do that to your kids? And the other reason I didn't want to give my all to Jesus is I was afraid he's going to send me to Africa. And I liked running water at 18. Just being very honest. I'm going to Africa Monday. <laughs> and I love it. I'm going to go see, uh, I, I work with an orphanage there. What happened? Stood up. Surrender. Your greatest life will be in your ability to continually surrender. 
And in that moment of surrender, it was like, unlocked, and immediately I knew I'd go around the world, I'd see the power of God displayed, what happened? A seed went inside of me. It defined my life, the seed of the word of God, that was the purpose of God, defined my life from that moment forward. Now, the seed, however, is not sufficient. The, watch the story of Joseph. The dream qualifies him, but the choices he made in relation to that word he got is what put him into a prime minister of a country. It's a big deal, because a lot of people got that initial, I know God got a life-changing apostle, prophet, you know, that's me. But they're not making choices according to that word. But here's the good thing. As soon as the posture of your heart lines up with that, that unseen realm begins to move on your behalf, setting things in order for the purposes of God to be established, and it's God who does the work. Ooh, I like that. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. I love this. I know I'm skipping a lot, but I, I, I'm just catching stuff tonight. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. And I know it's speaking of a principle here, but, but there's a phrase in there that I want to pull out. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but who ministers whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God... God gives the increase. 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 Why am I emphasizing that to you? Because if you're a citizen in the kingdom of God, you now work for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot, now God may use a job, he may use a ministry, he may use a church, he may use a place to get to not only meet your needs, but be in abundance to you, but when you go to that place, you are under the authority, we emphasize this on Sunday, of uh, you are the ambassador of another kingdom, and you're not going to get your needs met, you're going to be a blessing and advance the kingdom and within you have an excellent spirit. And when you have that excellent spirit, it lifts you above that world system that no one is a victim, no one can hold you back, your skin color can't hold it back, the promotion, your, you know, your lack of education can't hold you back. If you are in that place, what does it? the favor of God and trust in God, that's why the enemy tries to get you into stupidity. What's stupidity? Uh, ain't nobody moving ahead in this company. What's he doing? He's trying to put a fence in your heart because the whole kingdom operates by faith and faith works through love. Look at John, the fourth chapter. We'll see how this unseen realm works. Are you getting something out of this? Yes. This is just 
teaching from the heart tonight. Verse 46, so Jesus came to Cain of Galilee where he, had seen, where he had made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum and when he heard that Jesus had come out into Galilee, he went and implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. Verse 48, then Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Notice the part of the emphasis of Jesus' teaching was trying to get people to believe before they saw. Very, very important. I had an encounter with the Lord about five years ago. My spiritual eyes were open. I see. When I say I see Jesus is in this room, sometimes people think I'm talking by faith. I actually physically see Jesus in the room. I see angels. I see I can discern what God is doing. And that's wonderful. It's made me much more effective. But I'm wondering if I was like doubting Thomas, so he just opened my eyes to help a brother out. (laughs) Because he said to Thomas, Thomas, blessed are those who never see yet believe got to go by the word, right? I'm just thankful. <laughs> Notice he's imploring him to come. No one said to sir, come down before my child dies. Verse 50. So Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word. Notice, word. What governs this world? The word. The word that Jesus spoke to him. And when he went his way, as he was going down, notice, stop again there. There's no evidence that this man has believed except go, I trust that word. Notice how this, this is fascinating. He trusts that word, and as soon as he trusts that word, somewhere where he's not at, the healing happens. And as he was going, the servants met him and told him, saying, son, saying, saying, your son lives. And when they inquired of them the hour when he got better, then they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. What happened? His belief system moved the unseen realm. And he himself believed in his whole household. Fascinating stuff. Now look at uh, Mark, the fifth chapter, where we started on Sunday. Everybody still tracking with me? I know I'm jumping a lot of different places, but I love the word of God. Notice I said Sunday, and I want you to see this in scripture, scriptural, that this is not a need-based system that God has given us. It is putting your faith in God in the middle of your need. One of the most best things you can do is what Peter said. He makes this statement in his epistle. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then he says, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he wants to take care of you, but he wants you to go, God, I need you in this situation. Here's the other thing. When we say we want him, when we say we're putting our need in him, we lose all rights to dictate how it's going to be done. 
Because a lot of times people go to, oh, I'm in faith. What? No, you're in faith in the way you want it done. And what I've learned, especially in family, in different situations, often people are, just fix my husband, God. And what he'd like to do is first he's going to fix you so that when your husband comes back to the Lord, you're not a mean religious person to him. (laughs) Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat, a great multitude gathered to him. And he was by the sea. I emphasize that concept of multitude. Notice there's a bunch of people around Jesus. If we stopped here tonight, we could probably, I don't know, maybe there's 30 people in this room tonight, right? If I could stop, i go, hey, do you have a need from the Lord? Do you got a need from the Lord? We probably wouldn't get past this row before we had to stop because there would be so many needs. I want to suggest to you that in this group of people, there's a bunch of people Maybe they have cancer, maybe their marriage is falling apart, maybe they're depressed, but Jesus is not stopping and being a southern pastor. Honey, what's going on? Let's just sit down and talk about it. He's not doing that. We do that. He doesn't do that. (laughs) Don't get any amens for that, but it's true. (laughs) And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, when he saw him, he... Don't get me wrong. There are times where you sit and you mourn with those who mourn. But if you really want to live out God's purpose for his life, sometimes that is not what God calls us to do. Lazarus is dead. Let's stay a few more days with the seminar. He's not mean, he's not cruel, and he's never wrong. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter dies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Verse 24, So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. This is fascinating. Who is setting Jesus' agenda? One man. His faith, his persistence is setting Jesus' agenda. What does Jesus say? I'm going to come and heal. What's fascinating to me, and I'm not using it as a critical point, I go, how many times have I been content with watching God do other things for other people and not going, me too? They'll go, okay, let's follow Jesus, do a miracle. They don't go, hey, Aunt Edna's in the, in the infirmary. Can you pray for her? Samantha has been dying for the last six years. There's nothing this world system can do for her. They just watch him. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, but she had spent all that she had. It was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Notice she's, she's applying Mark, the 11th chapter in her life. She's going to have what she says here. Immediately, the fountain of, dry, of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? 
there's a reason I believe that the Holy Spirit puts this in here. But the disciples said to him, you see the multitude throgging you, but you say, who touched me? So it's apparently possible to be touching Jesus, but it's only the touch of faith that allows you to receive. And notice she's also speaking. Faith is always connected with speaking. Because why? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I would say this. You know when we tell people, or we're, hopefully we do apologize, we tell them, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. What we really, mean to, what we really need to say is, I didn't really mean for you to know what I really think. I haven't arrived in this, but one of the things I'm, I'm learning to do is repent of thoughts so I don't have to repent of actions. And you looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came down and fell before him, and she told him the whole truth. <laughs> it means she talked a lot. Some translations, by the way, I forgot to mention this, say, she said within herself. She said within herself. What is she doing? She's encouraging herself. She goes, I'm just going to touch Jesus, and I'm going to receive my healing. I'm just going to touch Jesus and receive my healing. I'm just going to touch Jesus and receive my healing. Heard this story many years ago from Brother Hagen's ministry, and back then they used to teach the word in the mornings and have healing, healing meetings at night. It's actually a great concept. What were they doing? In, in some places, in the voice of healing, I understand that you could not get in the healing line unless you came to the morning teaching because they wanted to put the word inside of you. They wanted to have faith built inside of you that when the man of God touched you, healing would come. In that era, if you saw, they would introduce the evangelist. Here, they would actually, this is, uh, you can see this on YouTube. Hey, we want to welcome God's man of faith and power, Oral Roberts. The emphasis was on the office being established. Now the emphasis has switched to the people of God doing the work of the ministry. Was it wrong then? Different emphasis. So this man came up to him and he said he had a certain condition. And he said, I just, I, 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 don't, I don't get how God could heal me. He said, I want you to just sit in the meetings. Come to the teaching meetings. And faith will come. And he sat. Five days. He said, you know what he said? He said, I'm ready to receive my healing. <laughs> Laid hands on him. Healing came. Why? Faith in the word. Building himself up on the inside. Building himself up on the inside. You know, what, I, what I've learned too is you have to make choices at the beginning of the day to live a certain way. Because if I make choices in that moment, I'm probably not going to react correctly. I'm going to choose to walk in love. I'm going to choose to walk in patience. I'm going to choose to do this. Because you will be invited to make other choices. Me, not you. Now notice this. 
that she keeps telling him about what she happened, and then Jesus tells her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your afflictions. Now, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler's synagogue's house who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Notice the power of the words of God. Jesus has already said he's going to heal her. Jairus has put his faith in Jesus. So just because the circumstances change doesn't mean God's changing what he's going to do. And we know that he heals them. Second Corinthians 4. Look at that. Verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, while we do not look at the things which are seen, while we do not look at the things which are seen. See, what the enemy does, because he's a sensory uh, 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 devil, is he tries to do this. God told you to do this because you're, you're believing God for this breakthrough. Immediately goes, it's not working. So what he wants you to do is agree with the words of your mouth. It doesn't mean you deny the reality. You deny its reality to defeat you. This is what just happened, but this is what God has said. This is what just happened, but this is what God has said. And be careful. I had to do it today. Be careful from allowing things from the past or offense that you've dealt with to remind you of things you should be offended at. Got this credit card debt over here. My kid did this. My ex-husband did it. And you're believing God. I'm going to pay this off in Jesus' name. We're believing God. We're not going to stay in debt. Your word says, oh man, nothing except to love him. I'm believing you. You said, you, but, 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 but. And then you're driving down the road. And you remember, they were running up your credit card. What's he trying to do? He's trying to invite you into offense again. It's witchcraft. He's trying to invite you something that's covered by the blood of Jesus. Here's something I like to do too if someone takes advantage of you financially. Turn it around on them. Bless God, I sowed an offering into him. And I get a return on everything I sow. So Lord, I bless them. They don't owe me this anymore. We look at the things which are not seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. One of the, another thing I say almost every morning. Things that I see that are contrary to my destiny are subject to change according to what God has said. They're subject to change because the word of God is truth and it's the highest form of reality. So I choose to trust that. I choose to stand on this. I will stand on God's word. Okay, let's land the plane. We'll look at a few more things here. Look at John. This is how Jesus operated. 
John 12, 49. Elsewhere in the Gospel of John, and this is just an encouragement for us all, there's no shame, there's no blame, don't do that thing. Here's another great verse of scripture. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, right, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You miss, you miss it, you say something you shouldn't say. Hey, I was last week tired, I was, had come out of a meeting and person taking my order, I just was like, I don't really care, just whatever. <laughs> She said, well, you ain't got to be rude. I said, I'm sorry. I was right, but I was wrong. So I went to my hotel room, got on my knees. God, forgive me. I asked them to forgive me. I asked you to forgive me. Don't beat yourself up for five days. Don't do that. The enemy's a religious spirit. He loves that stuff. He loves for you to take three weeks to you know, make sure you get it right. <laughs> Listen, God knows what he signed up for when he got you. And there's a difference between rebellion and immaturity. Immaturity is we're pressing on towards the heart, mark of the high calling. We're works in progress. Hey, I'm a pretty good version of what God's called me to do today. But next week, you're going to see a better version. Because I'm growing in the knowledge of God. I'm growing in sanctification. I'm growing in holiness. There's a difference between... God, I don't ever want to do that again. And you do it the next moment. That's just immaturity. Rebellion is, I know what the word has said. I know what God has spoken to me. But I refuse to live under that ordinance. That's rebellion. And you don't want to get there because that's where a hard heart comes. And that's where, that's where you, listen, the enemy doesn't play fair. He doesn't want to just have this little area of your life. You know what he wants to do? He wants to destroy you. He wants to embarrass and mock your whole family. You know what one of the symptoms I know with men who are addicted to pornography? They want to kill themselves. Why? Because it pollutes their mind. And they know, how am I bound to this? How am I bound to looking at this thing on a computer or whatever? and they want to kill themselves. It's demonic. He wants to convince you there's no hope, there's no future, there's no, just give up. You've, you've tried this. Listen, no one needs to give up in this room on anything that God has spoken to him. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and what? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, Guess what the only thing's left? Righteousness. That's it. You know how you know I've learned that. You, sometimes you've got to receive your, 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 your forgiveness by faith. And you know what? You're getting ready to preach, and you're like, well, you, you were a little short with that person. You know what I've learned? To, I used to just, oh, I'm so sorry. I go, that's right, I did that. I did it. I did it. But you got the wrong guy. I have an advocate. You've come to, it's like a prosecutor bringing the case against the wrong person. 
and I've asked God to forgive me, and I've made it right with whoever I needed to make right with, and the blood of Jesus cleanses me, and I'm righteous before him. Who are you? You're defeated already. Are you going to go up and minister? Yes, I am. I'm going to go up and minister. Verse 49, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that this command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So here's a key part that I've learned in walking with the Lord. That when you're facing things and when you're believing God for things and when you're, when you're, um, when you're just, just walking out day-to-day life, right? You know, one of the things, praying for my brother, believing for him to get completely born again, I said, God, what are the words? What are the words? Give me the words. Give me a scripture. Give me something. This is what I begin to pray into. What are the words of life? Because you said you, the words you give us are spirit in our life. This is just me. It's okay. That's how I pray. I do pray like this. Lord, make him miserable until he serves you, God. Lord, make it difficult for him to sleep at night. Let those demons that he's invited into his life just drive him nuts until he serves you. I know, but it got me saved. No, I also pray this way. I didn't finish. Lord, I don't want the enemy to hurt him. I don't want him to hurt anyone else. But make him real miserable. He told me the other day, I'm doing better financially. I said, yeah, but you're serving a thief. I said, it never works unless you put God first. I said, it'll work for other people because they don't know the truth. But you got a problem. You were adopted into the wrong family. Actually, the right family. And you've heard the truth. And I said, I know our parents are a little different. I said, but you've heard the truth. And now you have a responsibility to obey. You know, I want the best for my son. I said, I know you need to put God first. I said, your son will never have the life that God intends him to have unless you put him first. I love you. And I just sent some money. Man, you didn't need to do that. I said, no, my God owns everything. Why'd you do that for me? I said, because my God's a blessing God. You call me when you get born again. Because you got the call of God upon your life. I had trouble sleeping last night. I said, I would too if I wasn't serving God. I don't, I don't like, I don't, oh, really? Let me pray for, no, I don't do that. Why am I going to cast a demon out that's going to come back two minutes later? <laughs> People think I'm mean. I'm not mean. I'm right. <laughs> Look at this, Psalm 91. We'll close here. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord 
who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no plague come near your dwelling, for he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Then Psalm 103. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. I think I said on Sunday, a lot of people's angels do not have anything to do, and they're confused. I'm losing my mind, and they're gone. I don't know what to do about this, and they're gone. Oh, I can never get this right. Yeah, I'm just a sorry person. They're going, oh, God. What are those angels doing? They want you to say those prophetic words over your life. They want you to move that unseen realm. They, got, they want things to do. Bless the Lord, verse 20, you as angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. 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 This is the final scripture, 2 Kings 6. Pick it up in verse 11 just for the sake of time. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. What's he troubled by? Because every time he goes somewhere, the Israelites are there, they, they understand what he's doing. So he called his servants and said to him, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Then one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elijah the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Notice in the book of Daniel, it says he reveals secret things that are in the darkness. Daniel 2. Why am I emphasizing this also? Because I said on Sunday that we are in a season. Hear me. We're in a season where God is unlocking secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. I didn't read it tonight, but in Matthew 13, it says, and I will utter things hidden before the very foundation of the world. Because he's looking for people to capture those words and go, ooh, that's impossible. But it's what God says. Speaking those words. None, my Lord, but O king, Elijah the prophet of Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send him and get him. And he was told saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent the horses and chariots and great army there and he came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I want, to, I want to suggest to you, this is a passion of mine, that 
the, the lifestyle, the New Testament prophetic lifestyle, it, it, it is, it, 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 a, a very small part of it is releasing the word of the Lord. But it's a perspective on life. This, this prophet is not gone. Jesus, you put me in this ministry. He is completely confident in the God who called him. I love the posture that I've been praying this of the book of Daniel. God, I'm not going to compromise. And if I have to die, I will, but I believe you'll, you'll protect me. I'm not bowing to this world system. I'm not bowing to politics. I'm not bowing to religion. I'm not bowing in Jesus' name. I'm not bowing, trying to make it my own way. I'm not bowing. I will trust you. Go and see where he is, and I may send him. Therefore, he sent horses. And this is fascinating. A man, a head of a nation, sends his whole army to deal with one prophet. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And the servant of the man of God rose early. There was an army surrounding him, city with horses and chariots. The servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? Then he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with him. And Elijah prayed, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and the chariots of fire all around Elisha. I want to suggest to you that it wasn't his natural eyes that were blind. He's not praying, back to Matthew 13, having eyes to see and ears to hear, yet it was dull. But the sower was sowing the word, trying to give them a different perspective on reality of the word that they saw. And the reason it is so important, because God is progressive in nature. What does that mean? I said it 20 years ago. He tells me this thing, but all along the path, they were different, and I, and I missed some turns. I definitely did, but all along the path, there were these clear words. I remember praying my freshman year. I was on a partial wrestling scholarship at Campbell, and I'm praying, you know, Brownsville, Toronto, everything's going on, and I say, Lord, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to ministry school, because that's how you think. You just think natural dimension. He goes, that's not the school that I have for you. I have the school of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to prove in your life that it will not be an organization. It will not be a man that elevates you. And I was very excited to go to the school of the Spirit until I started it. (laughs) And all along the path, I'm praying. And it doesn't mean everything's comfortable. Part of that path was working, I remember, for two years in graduate school for a man who hated me. And I said, Lord, I don't need to take this. He said, that's right, you don't need it. I always remember, I heard this voice so loud. No, you don't need to take this. But if you don't stay in this job, I can't do in, my, in your heart what I want to do. Work for a man. I mean, if you want to just talk natural, I could have gone to human resources and I had a really good case. That's not how we fight in the kingdom of God, though. Work for this man. Finish. Finish my degree early. God just said I had to finish my degree. Finish my degree. Six months later, 
first ministry, first full-time ministry job, praise the Lord. And I was very naive. I thought if you were in ministry, that meant you were whole. No, it just meant that you were called. And if I didn't work for this man over here, I could have never worked for this man over here. What is it? Progressive. Trusting the word of God. Back here, graduate school, tough situation, $875 a month I was making. Praise the Lord. What's he teaching you? I don't like that. He's teaching you right off the bat at 23 years old to walk by faith and not by sight. Paying my tithe, giving offerings, still at then. Why? Because giving is not according to how much money comes in. Giving is according to learning that it's an act of faith and worship unto God. And it's God who does the work. When you trust God, you can go to bed at night, not having it all figured out. Does doubt come? Does think, what am I going to do? All those thoughts. Yeah. And I just stand up. I was, I, was, I was doing this, this week, today on the way to Wilmington. God, I got a history with you. You've never lied to me. If I've missed a turn, show me, but I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you with this. I'm trusting you with that. I'm trusting you with this. You're faithful. You know, you just feel this. But not just for a moment. I've learned. Get on a plane. You can live in peace go into a difficult situation. I'm going into a very interesting situation this morning. I'm at peace because this is not my issue. And here's the good thing. I'm no one's Messiah. And all I got to do is what God tells me to do. You receive this word tonight? Yes. If you receive this word, just, just, just lift your hands and say, just Father, I receive your word.